1: So go to squarespace.com stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code stuff, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace?
0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry's in a certain kind of mood today. Yeah. She's making jokes and stuff.
0: Talking? Yeah. She made a joke that would have been great for the show and I was like, "Well, look at you." And then she was like, "Oh, I didn't say you could use that joke though." Yeah.
1: It's worse. Man. She's got her spinning bow tie on today.
0: I'm going to say the joke. Jerry said that her blood type was A positive, which she thought was the most optimistic of blood types. It doesn't even make sense. Sure it does. That doesn't. She's A positive person.
1: Oh, I see. I think of A positive as like A plus. So, like, you were the star smart, student. Yeah, the star student of the blood type. Oh, okay. That makes sense, though. That's not a bad joke, Jerry, now that I understand <laughs> it. It's the first joke she's given us in seven years. Way to go, Jerry. That's going to be a trivia question years down the road. That's right. Just knock it what off. What was now. Jerry's one joke? <laughs> uh, how are you, sir? I'm doing
0: good. Do you know your blood I'm,
1: type? I'm feeling A positive myself. <laughs>
0: I'm feeling oh negative.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow, this joke just keeps on giving. I, d- I don't even know my blood type. I don't know mine either. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's great. And I've never had to. I mean, I've given blood, obviously, but I don't. Uh, I don't. I've never you received never blood. Get the records. No, don't they test your blood type? I guess, but I don't ever. I don't know. I it never... should
1: be on your donor card. I
0: think. You know what? I do have, and this is so silly. I have some dog tags. <laughs> That I made when I was in high school because uh-huh. I just thought it was cool to wear a dog tag. In shop? <laughs> Did you make it in shop? No, fights? I didn't make it myself. I had them made.
1: Oh, I see. Oh, I like, hey,
0: Richie Rich. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to get dog tags because <laughs> that's neato. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. I went through a little phase, I guess.
1: A dog tag phase.
0: <laughs> and is your blood type on them? It is. And I actually know where they are, so I could go find that. I can wait. Alright, I'll be back. <laughs> Just give me a couple hours. Well,
1: I legitimately have no idea what my blood type is. Yeah. Um because I didn't go through a dog tag phase. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not on my birth certificate. I went and looked. Not there. Oh really?
0: Interesting. Yeah. Was your real name your real name?
1: I think so. I'm I'm pretty no sure surprises. I wasn't an abducted baby.
0: <laughs> I've always had this fear that like I look at my birth certificate and find out I'm like three years older or something than I thought I was. That's a strange fear. Which would explain a lot. Really?
1: Yeah, yeah. it's fine.
0: Oh, okay. If you were what? I'm 44 now. If you're
1: 40, yeah, you are. Happy birthday. Thank you. If I was 47. Yeah, you and Julius Caesar just
0: celebrated a birthday. <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah. Uh,
1: or was it his birthday or he just died? That was no. his death day.
0: Yeah, that was the opposite of his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Although some people have died on their birthday. Some famous people. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't remember who though, but at least one famous person. Sure. Was it Edison or Alexander Graham
0: Bell? Somebody like that. But did they die because of their birthday?
1: Thomas Jefferson, maybe? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Okay. It wasn't anything like that as far as I know. Like they didn't, like, uh, keep so their or... last breath blowing out their candle. Yeah, or yeah. Something.
0: That'd be pretty neat.
1: So, uh, <laughs> blood types. Yeah. Did you know much about this? No. I... Did not. I didn't actually. either. I just suspected it was fascinating. I, I, vague, I had a vague awareness of it because um, remember the ten scientists who were their own guinea pigs? Oh, episode? Yeah. Carl Landsteiner makes an appearance in that. Landsteiner. Yeah.
0: Which I think means, uh, well, Stein is stone. So Landstoner. Land He's a Landstoner. Mm-hmm. Nice. Good for him. He was quite a doctor, though, for a Landstoner.
1: He, uh, he was fearless. Yeah. Well, not really fearless. He was fearless about, um, needles. He didn't mind drawing blood from himself. Sure. Um, but the reason we bring up Carl Einstein is because he's the guy who finally discovered
0: blood types. Way back in like the 1500s, right? 1900. Yeah, exactly. He got the
1: Nobel for it in 1930.
0: Yeah, so it's pretty recent stuff here, you know? Yeah. But I thought the history, uh, you did the research on this, which thanks, man.
1: hats off to you. I appreciate it.
0: Um, I thought the history of it was super interesting.
1: Um, so, yeah, Carl Landsteiner was the first guy, and we'll talk about him a little more in depth in what he did, um, but he was the first guy to identify the ABO blood types. Yeah. Um, but prior to him, people were aware that there was some weirdness with blood and that you couldn't just mix the stuff willy-nilly and expect good results because for a very long time, humans... Thanks to horrible things like vivisection, yeah. knew that we our blood was very very vital. It was a vital life force.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, back in the day, I think we've talked about bleeding and barbers before, but mm-hmm. they were real big on taking blood out of people. Um, and at some point, I guess some doctors must have uh, you know taken some drugs and thought, I wonder what would happen if we put blood. Into a person, right?
1: Well, I mean, if you think about, it, if you're like, this is a vital life force. If you have somebody who's dying from bleeding out, like yeah, a hemorrhage, exactly, which happened a lot, like during childbirth, for example, sure. Then you would think, maybe if I took some healthy blood and put it into a dying person who's bleeding to death, they'll come back.
0: Yeah, and of course, uh, they had all sorts of like crazy notions back then. So they thought it could, like, bleeding someone out. They thought putting blood back in someone could. Mm-hmm cure weird things like insanity, right. which, we, of course, we know now has nothing to do with that kind of thing.
1: Right. So they said, well, let's try this. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. Um, they didn't start with human blood, oddly enough. Yeah, they no, went right weird. to the animal blood. Yeah. Uh, and it was not good when they started taking blood from animals like cows, calves, and injecting it into human patients.
0: Yeah, there was a French doctor that uh, put cast blood into a madman. Yeah, Jean-Baptiste Denise. Was that the doctor or the that madman? That was the doctor. Okay. And he, um, the madman started to sweat and vomit and uh, urinate uh, the color of chimney soot. And I guess the doctor said, yep, he's a madman.
1: And then he gave him another <laughs> transfusion after that. And After then he the died. Guy, yeah, and then the guy died. And actually, Denise was, um, charged with murder for that. And oh, he, really? He was forced to quit medicine. Oh, man. It was very, very scandalous. Um, even though he was experimenting on a madman, which, you know, at the time was pretty much fair game for anything. Sure. I think the, um, horrific accounts of the whole thing really kind of captured the national imagination. Yeah. And as a result, um, the, uh, decree of Chalet was issued by the French monarchy. It basically said, "Oh, no, 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 no more transfusions." <laughs> and uh for a while, like basically 150 years, this it was banned in France and the effect that it had kind of extended over the continent. It was basically de facto banned throughout Europe because these horrible experiments by Denise and others that had these terrible results, it was like you guys, this is mad science, and yeah. you can't do that anymore because it's really bad news.
0: Well, France also banned ketchup. When? Like three years ago. They banned ketchup, but is ketchup. catsup
1: <laughs> around still?
0: <laughs> no, they didn't ban the spelling of ketchup. They banned the condiment in school cafeterias. And um, I think a lot of people were put it on, like, uh, French cuisine, like they don't want ketchup on their cuisine. Mm-hmm. But it had to do with... Uh, The The sugar? Yeah, the sugar intake. Yeah. But they said it's okay for french fries.
1: Which they just call fries over there. Exactly. Fritz, I think.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So they banned ketchup and then a long time ago they banned blood transfusions. That's right. Thank you, France.
1: The edict or the decree of Chalet.
0: That's right. And it stayed that way for a long time. Uh, I mean, there were doctors here and there in the 19th century that that experimented around a little bit, of course.
1: Yeah, well, the the decree of Shelley was 1668, and yeah. it really was prohibitive until the mid-19th century, the early 19th century.
0: Well, and that's when a guy named, uh, a physician in Britain named James Blundell uh, was tired of seeing his patients die during childbirth, bleeding out like you were talking about.
1: Yeah, he's one of the heroes of the story.
0: He is, and he said, you know what? There's got to be a better way, and let me try and, and you know... Let me try and put blood that's not an animal into someone.
1: Yeah, the thing that Blundell figured out was that the great error that the early french doctors were doing was using the blood of a brute as he put it yeah that mixing that doesn't mean a jerk <laughs> right <laughs> it means an animal right <laughs> the guys like just let me watch my rugby <laughs> yeah. um the, the mixing like the blood of one species with another Blendell decided it was just a really bad move and that that's yeah. what it caused these horrible reactions it's so really good start right so human human blood he decided would should work it it, it would possibly work and he faced an immediate problem, which was you have no means of getting blood out of somebody and into somebody else at this point, Blundell. Yeah. What are you
0: going to do? So he invented a contraption for it. Like exactly. the first
1: blood transfusion contraption was invented by James Blundell for this very reason.
0: Yeah, and he got some dogs and he practiced on them. And uh, I have a bad feeling that some of those dogs probably died. I would guess Along so. the way. Yeah. But, um, He eventually got to a guy that was bleeding to death, and I guess the guy was like, "Um, doctor, I'm bleeding a lot, and could you take some of that blood and put it back into me? I think that might be a good idea. Right, right. (laughs) Because I'm told it's important.
1: Like, chimney sit urine Vidar. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's just go for this. Sure. And he did. Then the guy died.
0: Well, yeah, but it was two days, which wasn't too bad, so I guess he was like, he didn't see vomit or... Uh, charcoal, soot, urine. Right, and the guy did say he was feeling less fainty. <laughs> so it did revive him for two days. That's a great prognosis, I think. And, uh, less fainty. I'm, I'm
1: feeling much better now.
0: <laughs> but um, because he didn't see all those awful uh, reactions immediately, he was sort of on to something. Yes. Even they, though the guy died.
1: He was uh, encouraged by the
0: results, right?
1: Yeah. So he went on to perform I believe 10 more blood transfusions. And um, th- the results as the the author of one of the articles we use for um, research, Carl Zimmer, mm-hmm. who wrote a great article in Mosaic about blood types. Yeah. Um, as he put it, the results were dismal. Four out of the ten survived. That's not too bad. And I'm kind of like, if this guy is just yeah. shooting in the dark at mixing human blood together. And, and he, got he's got a 40% rate. Yeah, he's doing okay. Yeah, I agree. But what he, what he proved was that you can take human blood and transfer it from one human to another. But there's still something we don't know. Like, it should be a hundred percent success rate. What's the problem here? And he never lived to see the answer to it. But it was Carl Landsteiner who, uh, who figured it out before them because, because Blundell's success rate was still pretty low and he was working in the 1820s, something sure. like that. In the mid 19th century, there was a weird little um, Sidetrack that took place. Is this the milk thing? Yeah. Yeah. In in North America, in Canada, in the United States, doctors decided that milk would be a better substitute for transfusions than blood.
0: Yeah. Were they mixing milk into the blood, or were they just they saying... were injecting milk directly into the bloodstream. Here is some sheep's milk. Yeah. Um, Goat. It looks or smells or tastes nothing like human blood, but yeah. let's give it a shot.
1: Their thinking was that the fats in the milk would be converted into white blood cells and then into red blood cells in the bloodstream. Oy. So um not even close. They tried with they tried with cow, they tried with goat and then eventually they tried with human milk. And they were doing like massive doses of the stuff like 12 ounces, a beer bottles worth of goat milk injected directly into the human bloodstream and the results were really really bad. Um one patient suddenly experienced uh nystagmus which is uncontrollable like eye movements yeah. and vertigo and spasms good Lord. like immediately upon injecting oh yeah and they're still they're they're giving more injections right some of them were like okay this is gonna work maybe this is given up too much right <laughs> yeah. so people were slipping into comas and dying and finally everyone was like this is wrong this is not good let's stop doing this and they started using saline
0: yeah you know who also used uh, injected milk who? Michael Jackson.
1: <laughs> that was a totally different kind of milk, but yeah. That's right. What was the name of that stuff? Propofol? Uh, we never no. get it right, but I think it is Propofol. Propofol? I think you just got it right. Man, so sad. One, oh, and I, as a little side note, one of the patients was given milk, and then to support that injection, they were injected with morphine and then whiskey. So they're just basically putting anything they wanted wow. to into the bloodstreams of people back then. That's crazy. So the point is this, Chuck. There was a little sidetrack. And the reason yeah. there was a sidetrack is because still, even after Blundell's uh, experiments were successful in some cases, blood transfusion still had a really bad name.
0: Yeah. Um, they started to kind of figure it out a little bit, though, uh, in at least what the problem was when they started to mix blood from different people together in test tubes and they saw uh, clumping. They saw red blood cells sticking together Yeah, and said, you know what? Um the reason why this is happening is because these are all from sick people. Right. That was their explanation at first. Like, we got a bunch of sick blood. We're mixing it with sick blood. So that's why it's doing all these funky things. And it wasn't until the land stoner came around and said, you know what? Maybe I should try to mix the blood of healthy people together and see what happens. Yeah. See, if that a landmark idea.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, they knew that blood clumped. That's one of the reasons they went to milk. But they, they just thought it was because, well, you're sick already. There's nothing yeah. that could be done about that. But yeah, when Landsteiner came along and thought that it was groundbreaking and he did it with his own blood and with the blood of some of his lab assistants. And he just started taking blood samples and then just randomly mixing together people's blood to see if it clumped. And when it didn't clump, he started mapping right. these patterns and ultimately came up with what's now known as the ABO. Blood typing group. Although initially he came up with type A, type B, and type C.
0: Yeah, and then later on we found out about AB. Right, and C was changed to O. Yeah, but it was, uh, I mean, it was pretty crazy that he could even, I mean, he separated his plasma. From his red blood cells, it's it's nuts that he was even able to do that back then. Yeah, I didn't know things were that advanced.
1: Yeah, oh, well, you just inject some morphine and whiskey into your blood, and it <laughs> just kind of falls to the side.
0: Uh, plasma, by the way, uh, you hear that word a lot. You may not know what it is. It's just mostly water. It's the liquid portion of your blood. That's mm-hmm. so what. It- It's the taxi cab, basically, that carries everything around.
1: It carries the red blood cells.
0: Among other things. Yeah. Hormones, waste, nutrients, all sorts of stuff.
1: So this was like a a really, really, really big advancement in medical science.
0: Yeah, but what did he say? Oh, he had a great quote. This is my favorite. Like this landmark discovery, and he was kind of like, well, you might just want to look.
1: All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. At this, he goes, It might be mentioned that the reported observations may assist in the explanation of various consequences of therapeutic blood transfusions. Yeah, like it's possible, (laughs) you you morons, that
0: this is what's been killing people all the time. There's blood types. I don't know his personality, though, so I don't know how to read that. Sounds a little smarmy.
1: I I, I took it as he was being uh, very humble.
0: Oh, that's how I took it. That's because you're a positive. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Uh, but what this did was, um, it saved millions and millions and millions yeah, of lives. Yeah. I mean, it opened the door for everything to come, uh, when it comes to blood typing. And after this break, we are going to get a little bit into, uh, what these blood types are and what they mean. we're back and we are talking about blood types and what this means and it's really pretty simple it
1: is, it's elegant, it it is, love I
0: love it uh, on your red blood cells um, you have, you can have lots of things but you can have sugars and proteins and those sugars and proteins can be expressed as antigens and uh, antigens are something that your immune system says hey, you got a foreign invader coming you might want to do something about it
1: right, it's something that you're a body can take as a foreign invader, even if it's not a foreign invader or right. even if it's not harmful, but it's something that's found on the surface of your red blood cells.
0: Like pollen is an antigen. We talked about that in the allergy podcast.
1: Right. So a blood type at its core is just a description of what kind of antigen is found on the surface of your red blood cells.
0: Right, which is just a sugar or a protein.
1: Right, depending. So if you're, uh, if you have A type blood, you have the A antigen present on your cells. If you have B-type blood, you have the B antigen. If you have O-type blood, you have neither A nor B. And then if you have AB, you have both A and B antigens present on, on the surface of your blood. That's right. Sounds pretty simple. There's no real issues here, except that blood types are also associated with the type of antibody your blood produces, your body produces, right?
0: That's right. And that's a protein that your immune system uh, uses to attack a foreign invader or what it thinks is a foreign invader.
1: Sure. So if you have type A blood, your body produces B antibodies, which means that when your body comes in contact with type B antigens, which would be found on type B blood cells, right? That's right. Your body goes crazy and launches an immune response and attacks those
0: antigens. Yes. Which and, is, and the other way around in that case with a and b yeah a they don't and, like each other
1: no they don't so not only do they have opposing antigens they have opposing antibodies so if you mix a and b blood together bad bad things are going to happen
0: no. yeah and you know what you can also be allergic to your own blood yeah which is not good when we talked about mistaken identity uh that is something called hemolytic anemia mm-hmm. and um immune hemolytic anemia and that's It sounds immediately like I thought, well, you're dead if you've got that. Yeah. Because your blood's allergic to itself. Yeah. Apparently people live with it or able to. Uh, Almost everyone does. It's really rare to lead to death these days. That's so crazy. Um, I did look it up, though, and the first symptom it listed was feeling grumpy, (laughs) which I thought was like, well, perhaps we all have it. (laughs) Eeyore Eeyore has immune
1: hemolytic anemia.
0: Um, So like we said, A and B do not like each other uh, at all. Uh, I think you said they're like the hatfields and the mccoy's of blood types.
1: Yeah, I mean they're in a complete opposition to one another. That's right. Uh type O though is different. Yeah. So type O doesn't go along
0: with everybody. It
1: does. It doesn't have any antigens That's on right. its on the blood cell surface. So, as far as blood transfusions go, you could take type O and give it to type B people, type A people, and type O people and even type AB people, which makes type O the universal donor.
0: Right. O negative specifically. But that sounds all great, and mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. But because it doesn't have antigens, it uh, produces antibodies against A and B antigens. Yeah. I'm sorry. Antibodies against A and B antigens. That's what you said. Oh, okay. Which means it can only accept O transfusions.
1: Yeah, which is sad because it's they're the universal donor. They can give... But they can't. But they they can't can only take. get from other O's yeah. because they have antibodies against everything but O's, right? Man. A B is the opposite of O. They're actually the universal recipient,
0: right? They have the A and B antigen on the uh, surface of the red blood cells, but like you said, they are the universal recipient, so that's great. They don't have any antibodies at all, right? So it's they can so take.
1: Strange. They can take A. They can take yeah. B. They can take O, but. They have the antigens A and B, so A, B, or O can't take AB blood. Yeah, so... they so just take, take, take. To recap... I'm sure I have AB blood.
0: I'm positive of it. <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> to recap, there's a handy little chart here, which uh, we do not have. Um,
1: no, but it's from the uh, American Red Cross website. Yeah, like,
0: I think everyone that works at the Red Cross probably has this printed out, like, in their wallet. <laughs> I'm
1: sure so. You know? Everyone... Who's but listening to this in the Red Cross? Share it with somebody.
0: Group O, though, can donate red blood cells to anybody. Group A can donate red blood cells to As and ABs. Mm-hmm. Group B can donate red blood cells to Bs and ABs. Yeah. And Group AB can donate to other ABs but can receive it from all others.
1: Take, take, take.
0: Pretty neat. Um
1: so there you go. That's the type ABO blood type. And it's pretty, it was a sweeping discovery. And that's it, right? No more about blood types. No, this is the end. <laughs> Beautiful friend. It is not. The end. Uh, no, because it turns out the ABO blood typing or blood groups are really one of many. 22 we're up to by now.
0: Yeah. Remember earlier I was talking about... Um, Positive or negative? Well, that too. But uh, I was talking about the... Dog tags? <laughs> yeah, I was talking about that, too. Sugars? What else? Proteins. Boom. Sugars? Yes. Sugars and proteins awesome. are the two different antigens that you can have on your red blood cells. We said that the ABO uh, grouping are the sugars, so that leaves the proteins, and that's where you get into the RH. Uh, if you've ever heard your blood is negative or positive... Mm-hmm. It was named after the rhesus monkey, spelled Mm R-H-E-S-U-S, which they were obviously the test subjects. It basically just says if you're positive for that protein or negative for that protein.
1: Yeah, it's just it's another antigen, and either you have it or you don't. Boom. So you can be O-negative, O-positive. So that would mean that you are in the O-type blood group. So you have O-sugar antigens on – or you're no. You don't have A or B on your blood cell surface. Right. But if you're O-positive – you would have neither A or B on your surface, but you would have the rhesus antigen on there.
0: Right. And just like the ABO types, the RH types don't mix either.
1: No, as a matter of fact, there's a really terrible condition called um, mother-fetus incompatibility, which the means the mother is RH negative and the baby is RH positive. Yeah. So as the baby's developing, it's blood cells that carry the RH... Uh, antigen are taken as foreign invaders by the mother's blood. So the baby, the fetus is attacked by the mother's immune system. Not a good position for a fetus no. to begin.
0: But this is also uh, very treatable these days. Yeah, I got that impression. Yeah, I looked into it. It used to be a really scary thing, obviously, mm-hmm. but now uh, they know how to treat it. And I think on the first, uh, your firstborn, it's not really a big deal at all. Oh, yeah, and the reason why... Because the blood's not mixing, right? Right. Well, no, that
1: first exposure, your body's like, what the heck is this? It gets Uh, caught off guard. Second one, it's kind of like, fool me once, shame on you, (laughs) fool me twice, I'm going to get you. And it goes after the fetus, and then it just gets, this immune response gets more and more heightened with each pregnancy. I'm I'm almost positive that's the case. I ran across it during, um, during research for this, and if I'm not mistaken... That's what happens.
0: Okay. Well, I know that 85% roughly of the population is RH positive. So uh, you have much more likelihood to be RH positive than negative. Okay. In life.
1: Huh. Yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. I would have guessed negative would be more common. Why? Uh, I don't know. I just guessed that. You need to improve your outlook, my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... The RH blood groups, the ABO blood groups, they're two of, um, I think, 22 at least total blood groups that have been identified. There's other ones like Diego, Kidd, Kel, Duffy blood groups. And all of them are descriptors of antigens that can be found on the surface of a person's red blood cells. So your blood type can go far beyond A positive or O negative. It can be like A negative Duffy positive, Kel um, to the third power. Really? Who knows? Yeah. Why not? But um, <laughs> it's just basically the presence or the absence of these different antigens and these combinations can form. The thing is, we now know, and Landsteiner figured it out early on but didn't didn't discover the actual mechanism, but we know that each one is, is controlled by a different gene, or a mutation on a specific gene. And like I said, Landsteiner kind of figured it out early on that it was heritable, that blood types are heritable. And as a result, blood typing was used in early paternity tests, like almost from the outset of of Landsteiner's research.
0: Sure. Um, The other thing that they uh, found out was that you can also be a, It sounds a little gross, a secretor or a non-secretor. Yeah. uh, Which means that if you're a secretor, your antigens can be secreted into other fluids like saliva or mucus in your body to ward off other infections. And, like usually uh, at
1: the surface of the skin.
0: Yeah, so you're I think 80% are secretors mm-hmm. in the United States, and that's just another subclassification even. Yeah, and the fuzz that use a that gross.
1: to rule people out um, quickly, like whether you're a secretor or non-secretor.
0: <laughs> yeah. ah, Louie's a secretor. <laughs> we got a secretor here. <laughs> right. He's secreting all over the place. Um, so like you said, land uh, the Landstoner determined that you could test paternity. And because of that, in the 1990s, uh, that led to the discovery of that ABO gene. Yeah. And basically, if uh, you can have that A antigen be expressed, or if something is a little tweaked, you can have that B antigen expressed. Right. Or if they're both tweaked,
1: you can have both, AB. I think in that case, you inherit... The A mutation from one parent and the G mutation from another parent.
0: Yeah. Did you say G? B. uh, B. (laughs) There's another blood type, the AG. I just came up (laughs) with it. Uh, And then if it's completely shut off, uh, then that is where you get your O blood type.
1: Right. But we have to point out um, that the ABO blood type isn't like the A is the presence of an antigen, B is the presence of an antigen, and O is the presence of nothing. Right. It's not the case. Um, Again, Carl Zimmer in that Mosaic article put it like if the A antigen is like a two-story home in one form or fashion, and the B antigen is like a different type of two-story home, the O is like the single-story ranch. That the second stories are built on top the mid-century of. Mid-century modern? Yeah, which I love. <laughs> it's my preference in houses.
0: I like those too. Um, I wonder what, uh, I wonder what blood type the double wide trailer is.
1: I don't know. <laughs> it's a single story, so technically it'd be O as well.
0: They're secretors for sure.
1: So Chuck, um we talked, you said that RH positive was the most common for the rh blood type right that's right what, what's the most common for abo types
0: uh well you've got o is the most o positive is the most common uh-huh. uh then you've got a then you've got b yep. and then you've got a b as the least common got and it. um across ethnic groups it's uh it's pretty interesting um hispanic folks have higher number of os uh asian folks have a higher higher number of b's mm-hmm. and there's reasons for this, which we'll get into later. Yep. That are pretty interesting, I think. Yeah, So, um. It's called a teaser.
1: We should say with, when you do, we've kind of touched on what happens when you mix blood. You remember the chimney soot urine. Um, but the, the real, on the molecular level, on the cellular level, what's going on when you mix blood types is that the antigens present in one blood type that doesn't mix with another one attracts the antibodies.
0: Yeah, because it thinks it's some foreign invader.
1: Yep, so it's like. uh, You're coming into a house that has antibodies that are primed against the antigens on your blood, right? Right. And um, those antigens, or those antibodies surround the antigens and just kind of collect and clump around the red blood cells. That's agglutination.
0: Yeah, that that just sounded gross to me. (laughs) It does, it's a gross word. I think medical, I think I figured it out, medical terms that have G's in them. And glug. Yeah, it just sounds kind of gross. Yeah. Because what happens after agglutination is it coagulates. Yeah, your and blood. And that sounds gross too.
1: Yeah. And that thickened blood is tough to pump through your body.
0: It's pretty simple, really. So you
1: yeah. get blood clots everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And you have trouble breathing. Yep. Your lungs fill with blood and uh, you drown in it. And again, you're, if it, if you're injected with cow milk, <laughs> your eyes go crazy and you spasm and slip yeah. into a coma and die.
0: But if not, you're just going to drown in your own internal bleeding in your lungs.
1: But what's going on is the result of a massive immune response launched by your body because of the presence of what it takes as a foreign invader. If you take the blood of somebody with the same blood type as yours, even though it comes from another person entirely, your blood is used to the antigen present on that blood type because that's the one it produces itself, and it just thinks... It, it's more of the same blood that it produced in your body.
0: That's right. So this is all super interesting. Uh, I guess after this break, we're going to talk a little bit about why we have blood types and where they came from to begin with.
1: All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go.
0: All right. Before the break, my friend, uh, we were talking about where do blood types come from? <laughs> it's true. I didn't That's realize your... that
1: was the title of the segment.
0: It, well, I, had no, I, I don't even know what that accent was or who that was supposed to be. It, it was out. the
1: one group that you can make fun of now, which yeah. is this non-existent
0: one you just made. The up. indefinable group. I was Uh, thinking
1: about that the other day. Is there anybody left? Germans? You can make fun of Germans still, right? You can make
0: fun of white men. Oh, yeah. Because like. Been asking for it for millennia. Totally. Yeah. There's nothing you can say to a white man that is, you know, truly offensive.
1: It's true. Yeah, I guess it is. Sad. Man, this just took a really surprising (laughs) turn.
0: I remember my sociology teacher in college uh, taught us that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because he was putting up bad words about different races and ethnic groups mm-hmm. and sexes. And he's like, You might notice something. He's a like, There's no word that you can call a white man that is truly, truly offensive. Yeah. And there really isn't. I that's mean, true. a D bag, I guess, but that's not offensive. You're just either that or you're not. Yeah, it's the <laughs> truth or it's not. <laughs> All right. So let's get back to blood types. Where did it come from? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know who it is, it's Balky Bartakamus.
0: Ah, oh, I can't make, no, he was from an unknown country, right?
1: Yeah, Mykonos. Yeah,
0: there you go. Yeah. Alright, so primate species, my friend, uh, we found out that primate species had blood that you could mix with human blood. It wasn't a cow, it wasn't a sheep, but primates, because they're closer, uh, Relatives than cows and sheep us.
1: Well, that's what that was the assumption, but still, scientists were kind of scratching their heads. They're like, oh, "Wait a minute, what are we to make of this?" Because it suggests two things: it suggests that either blood types are so old yeah. that they predate human and uh, like chimps and gorillas divergence. divergence. Yeah. yeah. So we we share some sort of uh, common ancestor that have blood types itself, or that blood types evolved. Uh, independently in different species because it's, like, such a great idea, right? Right. Either way, they still said, uh, what are these things for?
0: Yeah, and some people uh, for a long time said that O was the original, the OG blood type.
1: Yeah, which makes sense because it's the simplest one.
0: Yeah, and they thought that, you know, our original ancestors in uh, Africa had type O. Uh, Other people thought AB might have been the original because... um, it evolved into A, B, and O, which that sort of makes sense, too, in one lens. Right. That is
1: broken down into its constituents. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But neither one of them, it turns out, are probably true, right?
1: Well, we, we honestly don't know. We just, there's, first of all, not all of the primates' genes have been surveyed, so we can't really say.
0: But they've looked into a lot of them, right? <clears throat>
1: they have. Um, and the results are still just kind of baffling, like gorillas just have type B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think chimps have type A and O, but that's it. Right. Uh, we, we don't quite know what to make of it. We do know that it's not just primates that have blood types. Cats and dogs both do.
0: Yeah, and I never thought about it, that you can have your cat or dog, if you want to feel really good about yourself, yeah, but really piss off your animals, yeah. you can take them in and have them give blood. Yeah, there's animal, do- like dog and cat blood banks. Yeah, there's one uh, right here in Decatur. Consult your vet. Huh? Yeah, consult your vet. Piss off your cat. Take them in to give blood and explain to them what a great thing they're doing. Right. <laughs> right. Just wear
1: like leather yeah. falconry gloves <laughs> while you're doing it.
0: It is a great thing to do, but yeah, it just never occurred to me. Of course, that's what you need to do yeah. as a responsible pet owner, right?
1: I guess. Maybe start with donating <laughs> your human blood first. And then once you got that down pat, bring your dog into the mix.
0: Well, you have to go to a special dog and cat blood bank.
1: Yeah. Can tell your vet.
0: And I think, if I look today, my, all of mine are too old, which is sad. I think you can't be over seven. Oh, is that right? Well, at least at the one indicator. Maybe there's different. You're looking uh, for
1: spry blood. I guess so. Yeah.
0: It's very sad for me, my guys. Um, so here's a neat thing, though, Josh. <laughs> blood types aren't even set in stone, necessarily. They can change. Isn't this mind-blowing? It is. And I found this really neat uh well, a couple of neat things. One is not only can it change. We'll go ahead and explain how it can change naturally.
1: Well, our old friend epigenetics. Yeah. Um, what was that episode we did? Can your gra- Can my grandfather's diet shorten
0: my life? One of our best. Yes, it was. Very and cool. no
1: one has any idea it's about epigenetics because of the title. Yeah. But if you are looking for an epigenetics episode, go listen to that one. But basically, because of changes in the way genes are expressed, if you're say a mutation mm-hmm. on your gene is shut down epigenetically, then all of a sudden over time, because red blood cells have about a four-month lifespan and yeah. your blood is constantly regenerating itself, um, you will turn into an O blood type person within your lifetime. Yeah. You may not even notice until you well, get a blood transfusion. Yeah, that's a good then time you're going to gonna notice. notice. But I imagine that our good friends at the Red Cross test blood type, that kind of thing, with each donation Yeah, and, and- just leave it to... A presumption.
0: I don't think we even pointed out they to test this. They still use the similar method of mixing blood and seeing if it clumps. Yeah, the same thing that the Landstoner did. Yep, way back in the day. So I found another couple of cool things though. Um, this is from two years ago, and I couldn't get anything more recent. I think it is still under review. Okay, but they think now that they can actually uh, s- not synthetically, but just not naturally, change your blood type to O. Right. To make you, and this would be great because if you could change blood type, and this isn't in the body, this is in the blood bag, right. change it from AB to O, then that means all of a sudden you have a more valuable blood because it's more universally accepted. Uh, and what they've done is, um, of course, it was the University of Copenhagen, Professor Heinrich Clausen. They're always doing the best work, it seems like.
1: That was great stuff.
0: Um, so they found, they studied 2,500 different uh, types of fungi and bacteria and found. Uh, they were looking for proteins that could help, and they found two that could help. <laughs> one was called Elizabeth Kingia Meningo spectum septicum. Nice. My guess is that uh, Professor Einrich either has a daughter or a wife named Elizabeth.
1: Yeah, who's like, I yeah. got a bacteria <laughs> named
0: after me. Or he's in big trouble. Uh, and then the other one is bacteriodesis fragilis. And basically, those two uh yielded enzymes that remove those A and B antigens.
1: Yeah, they just sheared those sugars off. They go and crazy eat it.
0: And made it the O-type. Yeah. So I don't know where that's at now, but that was just from two years ago. Uh And then this this case of this girl that doctors say is a one in six billion event. Uh At nine years old, she got a liver transplant. And mm-hmm. everyone knows when you get an organ transplant, getting it to take is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, not having it rejected. And what they do is they give you medication, usually for life, to make sure it stays, not rejected. What they found with her was that when she got her new liver, the drugs actually made her sick, the ones to keep her from rejecting it. And what they found when they tested her blood was that her body was changing its blood type and completely changed its blood type to where she didn't need those drugs anymore,
1: It changed from O negative to O positive, right? Yep,
0: and she completely went off those drugs, and I think she's like 20 years old now. And the doctors, I don't think they have any explanation for it other than, I guess this can happen.
1: Yeah. Her body's like, like the kind of local tough that fights with pool cues or something like that, you know? It's like, all right, this is what I got to do. I got to do what I got to do. Keep this liver. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. yeah, that was super awesome. One in six billion. It's pretty nice to have that quantified for you. yeah, you know,
0: I bet she feels like a lucky lady. yeah,
1: so Chuck, we've kind of laid out by now that blood types are confounding science still, yeah. Um, but there are some guesses, some assumptions about why we have them, although that is the that is still the question that plagues blood researchers. Why do we have? Blood types.
0: Well, you'd think it was because, you know, th- because they're uh, fighting off uh, bloodborne invaders, mm-hmm. like that's why we have them, but that doesn't explain why we have different ones.
1: Right, exactly. And then what confounds it even further is the fact that apparently some blood types actually increase your susceptibility to some bloodborne invaders.
0: Yeah, so some blood types help certain fight certain diseases and Mm -hmm. not others. And like you said, then there are others that make you more susceptible.
1: Yeah, and not only in the case of like where, oh, not having this A antigen makes me more susceptible because the A antigen fights off, say, uh, I think uh, malaria.
0: Yeah, malaria.
1: More. It's not even the case of that. In some cases, having an antigen proves to be food for certain kind of um, germs and bacteria that cause illness. Yeah, like, like it seen,
0: actually binds easier.
1: Yeah, it binds or they eat like the sugar or the protein and they just go attack your body. Like it's like food, like your blood type is food to certain kinds of diseases that make you terribly sick, right? So yeah. it, from an evolutionary standpoint, those things should not exist.
0: Yeah, the only thing to me that makes sense is uh, when you included this word in here, which is variation. Yeah. And that to me makes sense because variation is generally pretty good for a population right? because it covers more bases. Uh, and in this case, that may be why. I mean, they have found, uh, Kevin Kane, this guy at University of Toronto, did a lot of investigating on this and found that, like you said, it was type O um, protects against malaria better. Type A makes you more susceptible to paul- uh, smallpox. Yeah. Type B, you're more likely to be infected by E. coli. So it's just... Uh, you should know what your blood type is and what you're more likely to get and not get. Yeah, and, I would think.
1: And again, remember we said that um, that some some antigens serve as binding sites for certain kinds of bacteria. Yeah. Same thing with the norovirus, um, which has nothing to do
0: with your yeah, blood. Yeah, that stream. doesn't seem to make any sense at first.
1: At first, until you find out that not only does um, do the, does your body express your blood type antigens on the surface of your red blood cells, it also expresses them on the surface of the cells that line your gut. Right. And norovirus has a lot to do with your gut. So specifically, I think if you're type O, you um, have basically what, accounts, what amounts to a landing pad for um, norovirus to bind to. And you are really going to be hating it compared to everybody else on the cruise ship that has type A, B, or A, B.
0: Or if you're type O, you might, uh, get a ruptured Achilles tendon or an ulcer a little more easily.
1: Isn't that weird? Yeah. They've linked a lot of, a lot of susceptibility to illnesses to different blood types. So infections, cancers, memory loss, heart disease. Yeah. Get this type A blood types are most, most susceptible to stress. Which makes a lot of sense because the type A personality yeah. is like uh, the.
0: Well, I don't think those are linked. Go,
1: go, go. Yeah. Let's get things done kind of thing. Yeah. Type A.
0: But that's not what, you know. We don't know. <laughs> uh, well, all this ignorance, though, uh, led to uh, a discovery. Well, it didn't lead to, but it's exemplified by the discovery in 1952 in Bombay. Um, patients that didn't have A, B, O blood type at all.
1: Yeah. Confounding. It's called the Bombay phenotype. And It was yeah. discovered in the 50s. And basically, it's, um. It's really rare. It's, it, again, Carl Zimmer comes in to say, if, uh, O's that single story ranch and A is a two story and B is a two story house, then this Bombay phenotype is an empty vacant lot. Yeah. Like these are the guys that have nothing there. Yeah. As
0: far as AB goes. And, uh, in India, you're about one in 10,000, uh, you have one in 10,000 chance of having this, um, blood type and one in four million in the world. But the, the thing that's confounding about it is these people don't appear to be
1: any more or less fit or healthy yeah. than people in the ABO
0: blood group. Yeah. It's just if you need that blood, you're in bad shape. Yeah. You have to get Bombay. Cause I think, uh, I think blood has a shelf life of about 42 days. So, I mean, imagine places like India and Bombay, especially, they probably have a lot more of this on hand. But if you're traveling in the United States, maybe, you might have a bit of a time if you're bleeding out. I would guess so. Uh, it was also a general hospital subplot. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. I was just poking around and it was like, a leave it to a soap opera to make that like, the rarest blood type, a subplot, a paternity mm-hmm. subplot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was how they proved out paternity for one of the Oh, doctors. somebody
1: had the Bombay phenotype? Oh, yeah. They're like, it is you because you
0: have the Bombay <laughs> phenotype. And you're a secretor.
1: <laughs> Say the fuzz. Gross. Uh, so we've talked about how the blood types are, they make you more or less susceptible to the disease, right? Yeah. They think that that's one of the reasons why um, different blood types appear in different um, ethnic groups Differently. They yeah. think that it's evidence that in the not too distant evolutionary past, certain um, certain parasites or uh, bacteria or germs or viruses that have some sort of preference for a certain blood type mm-hmm. passed through an area and largely wiped out the people with that blood type yeah. and left the other blood type standing.
0: Yeah, we were talking earlier about uh, in China um, and actually in Russia and India, too, they have a lot more. Blood type B, mm-hmm. um, and that is because the bubonic plague and malaria outbreaks that swept through those countries yep. not too long ago, and basically wiped out a lot of the O's and A's. So you've got a lot more Bs. Yeah,
1: this isn't this hasn't been proven, right? In science, things aren't proven, but there's more and more and more evidence that backs it up. Seems to be a correlation. It, yeah, there is, and it's not just China, Russia, and India. Africa has a lot of type uh, O's. Oh. Oh, people, which is uh, less susceptible to malaria. Yeah. Um, and Africa has a lot of malaria. Yeah. So it does make a lot of sense that that's, that's what happened. So even if the reason we have blood types isn't because um, it, it provides a defense against defend- bloodborne um, illnesses or whatever, yeah. it's a function for sure of blood types. Yeah. If you want to not get teleological here. Well, who does? Uh, Teleolog <laughs> teleologists. Uh,
0: so we'll finish up here with two uh examples of well one example of Hokum, one example that may or may not be Hokum, but it's probably Hokum.
1: At the very least it's fun. Uh
0: the blood type diet. There was a naturopath named Peter D'Adamo. uh D'Adamo.
1: Diodamo. diadamo diadamo I actually Funny enough, I was like, how do you pronounce that? I found an old uh, Regis and Kathy Lee. I don't know if
0: I would trust that.
1: Uh, ag- well, he was standing next to him, and he seemed to agree with it. So
0: Usually, though, when it's a D apostrophe, it's just D-A-D-A-M-O and not Damo. He didn't correct Regis. Well, who does? Kathy <laughs> Lee. Oh, this is pre-Kelly Ripa. Yeah. yeah, it was Regis and Kathy Lee. Oh, well, so she was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and Regis is Regis. Jeez. <laughs> All right, this is in 1996. He is a naturopath, what uh, my wife calls a hokey pokey doctor. And he published a very famous and popular book called Eat Right for Number Four, Your Type. Eat Right for Your Type. Mm-hmm. Um, Seven million copies to date. Mm-hmm. Sixty languages it's been translated into. And he postulated that um, our blood types came along over the years um, as we evolved mm-hmm. and that we should eat. According to when our blood type, what was going on when our blood type first came about?
1: Right, like uh, evolutionarily speaking. Exactly. So, like um, the, I think he he decided that the type O blood type came about during hunter gatherer era. Yeah,
0: and you saying he decided is very key here. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: I don't know what it was based on other yeah. than his guesses. Sure. Um, but he and then he said type A was the dawn of agriculture. Type B was uh, from the Himalayan Highlands, 10,000 to 15,000 years ago. Yeah. And then he said type AB is a modern blending of type A and type
0: B. <laughs> right? Pretty convenient. So
1: if you, for example, are type A, your blood type came about during the hunter-gatherer um, days. Yeah. And you, your diet should consist mostly of like raw
0: vegetarian foods. No, that's uh, during the dawn of agriculture. Hunter-gatherer would be meat eaters.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So that would be type O, would be the meat eaters, right. So type A would be dawn of agriculture. So you would eat, um, yeah, vegetables, crops. Or should, he says. Legumes.
0: Yeah. Type O, uh, meat rich. Right. Uh, no grains and dairy. Type B, lots of dairy. Um, also called the death diet. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and to avoid foods that aren't suited to your blood type. And he did this. Um, he said it will reduce infections and you'll lose weight. And you can fight cancer and I can sell books. A lot of books. Pretty much was the reason. And they've done testing over the years. Well, the Red Cross of Belgium did. Well, a lot of people have. And they've all said this is not true.
1: No, they the Red Cross of Belgium did a survey of a thousand studies and found no direct evidence supporting the health effects of the ABO blood type diet, end quote. Yeah. But that's not to say that these diets aren't good for you. For example, that type A diet. It's basically vegetarianism. So of course you're going to lose weight. You're going to lower your body mass index. Uh, yeah. you, you may, whatever. You're going to, you're going on a vegetarian diet. Right. There.
0: But none of these have to do with blood types.
1: No. Like if you are a type O, go on the type A diet right. and you will see those same benefits, same effects. So, but don't
0: go on the type B diet.
1: So basically it seems like this guy, um, just took some, some pretty good diets except for, yeah, the
0: type, the type B diet is, yeah, eat a bunch of fats and dairy, but <laughs> <products>. Although <laughs> fats have gotten a bad rap. Yeah, I mean, not all fats are bad. We, of course we know that, but. No, but supposedly you don't want to eat just the type that. Type
1: B diet is not the one to go with.
0: No. So that was Hokum. Allegedly. This, I'm, I'm at the risk of respecting our, uh, friends in Asia. I'm not going to call this complete Hokum. Well, they, because they, they believe, believe it pretty, like, like we believe is, actually, Actually, was going to say like we believe astrology. A lot of people here just have astrology as like a, Fun thing to read. Yeah, they really take it seriously in Japan, apparently.
1: Yeah, so um, I I don't know what you would compare it to over here. I don't even know that it has an analog. Astrology, I guess. Um, I guess the but the but yeah, the distinction is is that like over there, more people definitely take it as as fact.
0: Yes, I'm saying they take it way more seriously, but it's being born with something that determines your personality type. Gotcha.
1: So back in 1927, Takeji Furukawa, who is a professor at Tokyo Women's Teacher School, he decided that blood types, and this is based on his observations, but blood (laughs) types and personality types were related somehow. Yeah. And he started to do some studies, and he decided, I've got this figured out. I've got them mapped I have type A, type B, yes. type A, B, and type O personality types map, And it actually caught on uh, in big the time. East big yeah. time and still is today. And the Japanese actually have a word for a type of harassment, say basically getting passed over for a job or not getting into a certain school based on your blood
0: type. Yeah. Uh, Budahara? Yeah. Is that right? Sure. Is that good pronunciation? I think it Pronunciation? Yeah. I couldn't even pronounce that right. Wow. But it's Uh, blood type harassment. Yeah, and we'll go over these because it's – They're cute. It's interesting. Um, If you're blood type A, you are going to be kind and compassionate and put others before yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're calm on the outside, but you have a lot of inner turmoil. Um, But you're a good listener and you're going to have a lot of friends.
1: Yeah, and you get along with others well, but it's typically at the expense of your own sense of balance and happiness. You're just uh, giving a little too much. Yeah. You're not speaking up for yourself necessarily in order to keep the peace. That's right. The That's type A.
0: Yeah, type B is the George Clooney of blood types. It's it is, smug. Uh, no, he's not smug. What? I don't think he's smug. What? It's like his defining characteristic. I don't think he's smug at all. Oh, my God. Really? Yes, I'm about to faint. No, I don't find him smug at all. I think if you agree with someone... Then you probably don't find them smug. I agree with them in
1: a lot of ways. I think it's a really cool thing to do to spend your money yeah. to hire satellites to track <laughs> warlords in Africa. That's about as cool a thing as you can do with your riches as anybody, right? Sure. I still think he's smug. Yeah, I don't think he's smug. I can't. I, like, I don't think he can help
0: it. I don't know. Maybe we have different definitions of smug. If you mean handsome and winning and charming, then yes, he's smug. And being a hundred and ten percent aware.
1: That you're handsome and charming and winning at any oh, given moment down to the molecular level. He's that's George my Gordon. definition of smug.
0: <laughs> Awareness of your good looks?
1: That, yeah, overconfident self-awareness yeah. is smugness.
0: I'm on Team Clooney.
1: I'm not opposed to George Clooney. I just, think I just can't imagine not thinking he's smug.
0: Well, imagine it, baby. Like I don't, I don't even smug. know you right now. <laughs> well, that's because I'm a personality type B, blood type B, like my buddy George. That means I'm outgoing and friendly. Uh, I'm a people person and I don't do that at the expense of my own feelings. It just comes naturally to right, me, yeah. George.
1: Whereas, like, a type A would, like, you're a people person, but you really expend a lot of energy being a people person. Type B, it's just, yeah. like you said, it just comes naturally.
0: You're very adjustable. Uh, you're good at a job if you have to deal with people. I don't think we said that. Type A blood people don't like to have jobs where they deal with other people. Right.
1: It gives examples of
0: programmers,
1: accountants, writers, librarians are good uh, jobs for type A's. Uh,
0: In type B, like Mr. Clooney, is not suitable for marriage because they are flirty and playful and smug. Yeah, so say Korean women. That's right. Um, You added the smug thing, by the way. At the end?
1: Yes. Of course I did. That was pretty (laughs) smug. (laughs) Type A, B, though. They are freedom-loving.
0: Yeah. They're strong
1: and rational. Yeah. They don't worry about the little things. Nope. Uh, They can look at life's challenges with emotion removed and say, this is what I need to do to get past this.
0: So they're psychopaths. Uh,
1: Not necessarily. (laughs) They seem to not have issues with the relationships, and they're quite popular. They seem to be the winningest personality group. All right. I'm going to go with psychopath for that. I I mean, I see what you're saying, but yeah, I don't think so.
0: Uh, and then finally, we have personality O, blood type O. Uh, you're responsible and practical and rule conscious. You're a great leader and very determined mm-hmm. to achieve your goals. Yep. Yeah. You're physically strong, so you might be a good athlete.
1: Yeah, and they're most happy with other type O's or type A, B's.
0: And that are the personality blood types.
1: That's, I had never heard of that. That's all we know about blood types. I
0: thought that was pretty neat. I never heard that that was a big thing.
1: Yeah, you me told me about that. I was like, We're In doing Asia. blood types. She's like, Oh. You know about like Japanese blood types, right? Blood type personality types. And you're like, What? Yeah. She's like, you know, like George Clooney, smug <laughs> You're like, We're meant to be together. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's funny. We just hold hands and watch monuments men are just like Oh my god. All right, Chuck. Uh if people want to know more about blood types, I would steer clear of how stuff works. Because it has one of the densest, most incomprehensible articles I've ever read in my life on the site
0: about blood. <laughs> How's that for a plug? It really needs rewriting. Yeah. Um, this this thing you put together was great.
1: Thank oh, you. I appreciate that. Um, and a lot of it was based on a Mosaic article by Carl Zimmer about blood types, which yeah. I strongly recommend you go read. Uh, and uh, since I said Carl Zimmer, it's time for listener mail.
0: Uh, I'm going to call this Truck Driving Chemist. Uh, guys, I was a truck driver from 05 to 08 and listened to your show back then. I left trucking to go to college, and I was taking chemistry. We had to do a research paper on a compound, and so I always want to know about diesel, so I looked into diesel. We should do one on diesel, he says. It sounds pretty interesting. Let's do it. Um, I learned some really interesting thing about Rudolf Diesel's invention and about the man himself. Uh, the original diesel compound was actually made from peanuts, and he invented the engine for small plants. Uh, was it George Washington Carver? No. Huh. It was Rudolf Diesel. Uh. Um, he uh, invented it, the engine um, for small plants uh, that could power, um, not, you know, biological plants like,
1: like a power plant. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, a diesel so, plant. Yeah, you could power a warehouse to compete with the big industrial warehouses during the Industrial Revolution. So he was a man of the people. Cool. But here's the conspiracy theory part: Rudolf Diesel found out his diesel engine was going to be powering Germany's newest warships, called Unterseeboots. I oh, that. that's uh, that means, undersea boats. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say? Not that. Not that. Uh, and he was really angry that they would use his invention for war. So he told a German naval representative that if they were going to use uh, his diesel for war, he would take his designs to England so they would have it too and could counter Germany and that Germany might as well not use it. And they shot him on the spot. Basically. <laughs> That's <was laughs> not a smart thing to announce. No, he, he pushed all his chips in and lost. Uh, he told off the government, boarded a ferry to England in the evening to arrive in the morning. Uh, he left word to wake him since he had an appointment with the naval office in Britain. And when the ferry docked the next morning, he was gone. Eight days later, his body was found floating in the English Channel. And this all happened a few short years before World War I.
1: Wow, I can't believe that like government agents
0: would assassinate somebody. <laughs> When they threatened to take a very important thing to another country. Yeah. Um, so that sounds like a good podcast, he says. You have a man fighting for the common man, a man that didn't like his invention being used for war, an engine we still use today and could be using more in the future. And that is from Russ Fortney.
1: Russ, my friend, I think you just did a little mini podcast. Very right neat. there. Thanks sure. a lot for that. Man, I love... Love history. Me too. Love history.
0: Never knew about Rudolph Diesel. No,
1: no idea. I didn't even know it was somebody's last name. I just I assumed didn't it was a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, me too.
0: Uh, it's like Jimmy Gasoline. Right. Or that uh, Elizabeth
1: uh, Bacteria thing. Yeah,
0: Elizabeth Bacteria.
1: Jimmy Gasoline. <laughs> uh, if you want to tell us something that we don't know about that will blow our tops because it's so cool, like Russ, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us on the web at our luxurious home, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.